Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And I began this journey of seeking the kingdom of God, you know, more than half a century ago, when actually when I was a small boy, which is quite a bit more than half a century ago. And uh, it led me to what uh, I thought was the answers at the time, based on my limited knowledge. I, uh, I went to a seminary and studied to be a priest, a missionary in foreign lands to bring the message of the gospel, except for the fact that I didn't really know what the message of the gospel was because of the fact that uh, I had already been studying in a particular religious community uh, what the Bible was really talking about and or what I thought the Bible was talking about, what they thought the Bible was talking about. And what they thought was not entirely correct. And that's the interesting thing is when you look out there, everybody's got an opinion about the truth, about God, about Christ, about the message of the the prophets uh, to us coming down through what we call sacred scriptures. And, uh, you know, if you got uh, Buddha in uh, India and Burma and and, uh, Buddhist all have different opinions about what Buddha taught. One of the things Buddha said is, don't make me a god, yet you see statues of Buddha all over the, the uh, Asian, well, actually you see it all over the world today, as if he is some sort of a god. And uh, he said, the sight of me is not your salvation. Uh, he was 400 years before Jesus Christ. Uh, but he had a lot of insight uh, that he had uh, received I believe, through Revelation, over a period of time, which was his lifespan. And he shared that with a lot of people, his particular search. There were other people throughout history who had also similar searches for themselves. I have one. You have one. We all have this quest for the truth. Now, some people are better at finding the truth than others because some people don't really want to know the truth. Because they they don't really want to know themselves. And you can't know the truth unless you are willing to know yourself. And that's a, that's a discussion we were having last night. You know, people have this, we create this image of the truth based on our interpretation of scriptures like the Bible or the light or the Bhagavad Gita or all these ancient documents which most of the time we're looking at through the eyes of translators and uh, ministers of religions Uh, and when I say religions I'm talking about what somebody thinks about God Um, sometimes when I most of the time when I talk about religion I'm talking about the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man that was the definition of religion 200 years 200 years ago, and at least in a legal dictionary. 
that's quite a bit different than what you see today when you look up the word religion, which is what you think about a supreme being. So if you can change the meaning of words so greatly in a relatively short period of time, that, that that's, a, that's a tremendous power over the minds of people. Because somebody's talking about religion and they're thinking what, you know, religion is what I think about God or a supreme being. But if you're talking to somebody 200 years ago, he's thinking religion is your pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. And of course, your duty to your fellow man, according to God, at least according to Jesus Christ, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Even Moses said that. So that's your duty, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I was looking at, uh, I was trying to correct some of the uh, links. Some of the links have changed at YouTube uh, for some of our uh, uh, YouTube uh, clips that we have up. Five-minute clips, seven-minute clips on different subjects. And uh, I had an interview in Colorado, and part of that is spread over numerous clips from that interview and uh, one of them I'm talking about uh, you know socialism and democracy and and uh, opinions of uh, you know what what the early church was like what early Israel was like and they were actually a republic they were a government Israel was a government of the people for the people and by the people the people who sat in the seats of Moses did not have an exercising authority over the lives and contributions of the people. The people were supposed to tithe to them so that they could provide the social services of a government. But they those tithings were according to their service, according to free will offerings. They were charitable contributions that supported the government. Well, at one time that was true, but then under the Hasmoneans and eventually under uh, uh, the kings of uh, uh, Judea, those contributions became forced offerings, compelled offerings. And there were many different levels at which they compelled those offerings. And of course, that was called foolishness by Samuel, that that you did not want to have compelled offerings and you could not have compelled offerings by government and still be a free government of the people, for the people, and by the people. You know, the fact that 51% of the people compel your offering doesn't make it right. It does make it right if you have joined the democracy in order to obtain benefits because you thought it was okay to force your neighbor to get what you wanted, so then it's also okay for your neighbor to force you to get what they want. And that's what, uh, you know, that, that's what condemns you. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. This, this is just simple logic. But people don't think in these terms. And in order to think in these terms, if they don't already think in these terms, they have to do a little personal soul searching. They have to see themselves. They have, if you come into the light, you see everything that the light shines upon. And this is what we talked about last night with uh, some people is that the angel 
that was put in the garden of Eden after the sin of mankind. This cherub standing there with a fiery sword, like a lightsaber, supposedly. That sword gives off light. That that angel is not there to keep you out of the garden. That angel is a beacon to bring you back to the garden. But as you approach that angel, that servant of God, that, you know, these are metaphors. You know, I don't know if there's an actual angel standing somewhere. But as the story is written, it's a metaphor. A servant of the Creator God is in the garden giving off a light from the sword of truth. You know, I'm paraphrasing the metaphor. So that you can find your way back to the garden. But when you approach it, you come into the light that that sword of truth is giving off. And you not only see the truth, you see yourself. And you have to be willing to see yourself, your frailties, your error, your sin, in order to see the truth. And so that's part of that process of getting back is the willing to look at yourself. Now, it's been a long time since we've lived in the garden. (laughs) So, a lot has happened. There's a lot of water under the bridge. We've done a lot more than simply blame God for our greed for power, which is what, that that was the sin of Adam and Eve, is they chose to decide for themselves what was good and evil, to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the The tree was the knowledge of good and evil tree. And we were going to eat of that knowledge of good and evil and decide for ourselves what was right, what was wrong. Cain was not only going to decide what was right and wrong, he was going to decide it for his brother and even implement force upon his brother in order to get his way. And so, that was a compounding of the sin. And we've all compounded that sin. We have all forced our brother to contribute to our welfare. Or are part of systems that are operating in such a way. And Polybius says that will lead to despotism and and turn us into savages. To live at the expense of others. Buddha said the same thing. That we are altered by that path that we take. You know, you can go out there and try to carve your path in the wilderness, but the reality is is that you are changed by the path you take. So anyway, the sin was Adam was going to decide for himself, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, turn it into a source for his decisions and his understanding. And because of that, He was cutting himself off from God. He was cutting himself off from the tree of life. And he didn't accept the responsibility for this sin, this missing the mark, this going the wrong way. Instead, he tried to blame the problem that he created upon God and the woman. And we're still doing that, kids in the back seat. It's not my fault. He started it. 
it's somebody else's fault. I mean, the whole leftist movement today, I shouldn't say the whole, but a, a, a sizable portion of what we see is this victim mentality. It's not my fault. You know, it's it's white supremacists. It's white uh, privilege. They imagine that somehow or other that, that their failure in life is because of somebody else. It's not my problem. It's their problem that has created this undesirable circumstance for me. And that, that when you take on these arguments in your mind... And then you become loyal to those arguments in your mind. Those arguments become a part of your God. You defend them. Violently defend them. If you have no argument against those who try to explain what's really going on, you want to shut them up. Not that uh, the conservatives are any better. But it's it's part because you know they're thinking that our problem is you leftists, <laughs> all the people on welfare, you know, and uh, they're they're still trying to solve the problem uh, through to through paths that are not righteous. You know they they want to educate you. Well, unfortunately, they've lost control of their educational institutions and people are being educated to think a particular way. They're following a particular path. And now a, a great many people are starting to wake up and say, oh, we've we've let them take over our universities, our schools. Well, they're still doing it. Just because you know they're doing it isn't stopping them. Uh, you, there, there's what's actually driving society are spirits dwelling in the hearts and minds of the people. The only salvation is this anointing, this Christ that Jesus was talking about. Christ means anointing. It's not Jesus' name. It's this anointing. Oil is thicker than water. And uh, you, you need to get that anointing of the Holy Spirit. In order to awaken. And in order to receive that. You need to see yourself as you really are. You need to see your mistakes. You you need to see your impatience. I, I, I was dealing with mechanical uh, equipment. And things were not working out right. One thing after another was interfering. With uh, what I wanted to accomplish. And uh, uh I was stymied and running out of time and animals running out of feed and trying to fill in the gaps and uh, it, not getting much sleep. And there's a fire in, uh, it's not quite in the valley yet, although I think it's coming down the rim. Uh, and so we have people out there fighting the fire. Uh, our volunteer fire department uh, here in the valley, it's a rangeland fire department because we're we're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we're actually, if you go out to the middle of nowhere, we're a little bit on the other side of that. <laughs> so you have to go a little farther to get to us. So, but uh, they, they've created a, a volunteer rangeland fire department. Got lots of trucks uh, donated. Uh, lots of funds. Uh, 
have been donated by people because there was no other fire protection. And what it is, is it's a means by which people are getting trained, training themselves, volunteering to train others, and they go and fight these fires. Well, they, they put out, I think, the number was like 60-some fires. Um, dozens and dozens of fires. And they're just little spot fires. Uh, machinery fires, uh, lightning strike fires, uh, transformer, electrical transformer blew up, started a fire. And they've been putting every one of these out. And each one of these could have been a disaster. Uh, but they were showing up on the scenes and putting them out. Well, now there was a fire that started up in the Forest Service. Nobody seems to know exactly how. Some people are sick. I heard from one source that absolutely was not a lightning strike. And then I hear from another source they think it was a lightning strike. Now, I know I have seen, I have actually put out forest fires. Myself and a small crew have put out forest fires that were started by a Forest Service employee <laughs> in order to get overtime. So, uh, there could be all kinds of causes. But anyway, that fire burned about 8,000 acres and filled the valley with smoke. And people are running off and doing that. And uh, so, they're not helping me. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm supposedly too old to fight those fires now. So, I'm down working on things. And they weren't working out. And I could feel the impatience growing in me because things were not fitting together. And... Uh, I looked at that impatience and I looked at that, uh, you know, almost feeling of anger. You know, you could see uh, welling up this emotional anger coming up from inside my physical body. And uh, uh, I, I could see that and I could see that it wasn't right and that it was causing me to be off balance. And... Um, because I dwell in this physical body, I am subject to some of the chemistry of that body. But in the kingdom, you're not subject to the chemistry of that body. Because you're not supposed to be poisoned by, you know, even snakes. Or uh, the, I just saw in the news where somebody, you know, that it talks about, you know, the faithful not being poisoned by snakes. You know, Paul got bitten, but he, no ill effects came from the poison. Because you're supposed to be healed. You see, as you get, become closer and closer to the spiritual being and depend more upon the spiritual guiding, that the, the tree of life, the less and less subject you are to the physical realities around you. And it, it sets you free from the bondage of this physical uh, life in which we do, dwell. That's real freedom. You know, people, you know, think they're sovereign, you know, that like they you can become sovereign by filing paperwork. Well, go show that to a grizzly bear. Uh, you, you're not sovereign by firing, uh, filing paperwork uh, to get your status right. Your status with the spiritual side of your existence is what is important. And that means you have to see the truth about yourself, the weaknesses of yourself, that you are not God. You are God is sovereign. You have a right to choose, but you have to choose to eat of the tree of life and not eat of the tree of deciding what is good and evil for yourself. But anyway, once I um, 
was willing to take a look at the, this this discomfort in um, impatience growing in me or trying to seize control of my actions, uh, things suddenly started working out. Things started fitting together. Things started happening. Now, I don't know. There could be a big wreck in the field now and maybe things won't work out by the end of the day, but maybe everything will work out. We'll have to see. The, the saga continues. But the purpose of you living in this world uh, whether you're living in, uh, uh, you know, uh, Europe or uh, the United States or Australia or Malaysia or Venezuela or wherever you're living, is to come face to face with yourself and be willing to see the truth. God is trying to speak to you into your heart now. Everybody. Everywhere in the universe, God is trying to speak to your heart. This creative thing we call God. You know, I mean, we have this little word, G-O-D, God. And, of course, we talk about that. We have articles on God's many, Paul says. There are God's many. These are the ruling judges. And they become the ruling judges of your life. You know, the circumstances around you that can make you angry the people around you that can make you angry, make you impatient. Those are your gods. They are they are ruling over your emotions. They're ruling over your thinking. And you develop an opinion of them. You worship that opinion. That's idolatry. And we think of idolatry as, oh, you make something out of wood or stone or metal and then you bow down and worship it like a golden calf. No, idolatry is you create something. Most of what you create, you create in your head. You create in your imagination. That is the image that you're worshiping. What you believe to be true. God's opinion is the truth. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. The guy down the street has an opinion. The Pope has an opinion. Donald Trump has an opinion. But God's opinion is reality. Our opinion is what we think reality is. Now, if we worship our opinion, we're not going to listen to God if there's a contradiction between His opinion and our opinion of reality. We're not going to listen to Him. Because God's opinion affects our opinion and it may be telling us that our opinion is incorrect. That's why there's 40,000 different de denominations out there. Each one of those denominations is the result of an opinion that individuals have about the truth. You don't want that. You want the denomination of Christ, that anointing. Because that opinion is reality. And we're going to explore how do you get to the point where you see that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom in a moment. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, how do we discover the light at the end of the tunnel? And is the light that we see at the end of the tunnel actually the end of the tunnel? Or is it a freight train coming at us? My, my son and daughter-in-law were talking about driving in Norway last night. And uh, they were talking about all the tunnels you go through. You go through a lot of mountains. They have tunnels sometimes that go for miles. 
and you just drive into the tunnel and you drive in and they're dark. They're not lighted tunnels. Uh, they're just, uh, so you, you got your headlights on and you're trying to get through the tunnel and it may go for miles, uh, in that tunnel. And then of course you'll eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel if it's, uh, if it's daylight out, uh, or maybe it's another vehicle coming the other way. Who, who knows? But eventually you, you come out of that dark tunnel and we in life are sometimes going through dark tunnels. You know, there's dark moments. There's, and this is, this is part of nature. This is even Christ on the cross. He says, Lord, Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? There is a testing of the spirit that naturally comes just as day and night come, as winter and summer come. There's a warm time in the summer and the grass is green and leaves and Plants are flourishing and flowers are blooming and then there's winter. And in Norway and Sweden and places like that, they have severe winters. Um, up here in Oregon, we have winters and the grass doesn't grow and uh, things are cold and the nights are long. Um, that is That season is a part of, it's built into nature. It's built into us primordially speaking, and breathing in and breathing out, uh, tides, high tide, low tide, all these things are part of the process of life. And the waning of the Holy Spirit, and then what do you really want? Will you settle for something else short of the Holy Spirit, or will you continue to yearn and pray for the Holy Spirit? And there's a reason why I'm, I'm taking this little tangent, this little sidetrack, and we're doing a little loop here so that we can get back to understanding how you get on the path and how you find your way on that path and how you get to a place where you can approach the light, willingly approach the light to see the truth. Because right now, the reason you don't see the whole truth, you may, everybody sees some truth. Uh, but the reason you don't see the whole truth is because you're not willing to see some of the truth about yourself. And that's going to be a process. And you're going to be tested in that process. And you have to let air out in order to bring air in. You have to realize that you're in the dark in order to find your way to the light. And so that, that is a part of the process. You have to, it's fine to have your opinion. But you need to be in constant quest of God's opinion, which may be in conflict with what you've already learned. And of course, I've given the example many times of the guy who was shipwrecked, clinging to wreckage of the ship uh, for days until somebody came along and were trying to pull him up into a lifeboat. Another ship came and they lowered a lifeboat and the lifeboat went over and were trying to pull him into the lifeboat, and he would not let go of the wreckage. He had become attached to the wreckage. But they could not get him into the boat. I mean, this guy was really clinging on with all his might. And uh, the water was a little rough. And uh, there's film of this. And they're trying to get him into the lifeboat, but he won't let go of the wreckage because it has meant his life. Up to that point, that that his mind was set on clinging to that wreckage uh, to stay alive. And it was important. 
that he cling to that wreckage to stay alive. But now there was a lifeboat. You have to let go of the wreckage that kept you afloat to get into the lifeboat, to be raised up onto the ship, to get dry clothes and and food and water and and salvation. But people are clinging to the wreckage of their religions and they won't let go. And we won't make them let go. You know, because we can't drag you like that survivor. They were going to drag him into that boat one way or the other. But bringing you into the kingdom, we can't drag you into the kingdom. We can't drag you down the path. And so, actually, sometimes we will actually help carry. And that's that's what you might have to do is that particular wreckage. They weren't going to get that into the lifeboat. But there could, a guy might have a life vest on or a flotation device. And you just pull him and the flotation device into the boat all together. And he just keeps clinging to that. <laughs> and, and And you do that. And so, we may have to carry your burdens with you in a congregation of faith. Why you learn what faith really is. And so somebody was here at the Burning Bush Festival uh, a couple of years ago. I guess it was now. but uh, And they were talking to me. And, and they were the wife of somebody else uh, who was uh, a part of that, um, you know, that particular festival. And she was shocked to find out that we don't tell people to stop going to the church that they're attending at that particular time. We don't tell them to stop going to that church when they start gathering in a free assembly, in a congregation at His Holy Church. As a matter of fact, if you're a part of a free assembly, you're not really a member, uh, so to speak. You're a congregant. You're simply sitting down and gathering for the purposes of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because the church is not your salvation. Christ is your salvation. And again, what is Christ? Christ is the anointing. What is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit feeding your heart and your mind. You see, you're supposed to be eating of the tree of life. You're supposed to have the Holy Spirit as your source. Not your knowledge in your head. Not your studies. The study to show thyself approved the the actual word there that they translate into study only in that one verse is actually the word for be diligent to show thyself approved. Be diligent in what? In following the path. Following the way. And if you're diligent in that way, you will find yourself practicing pure religion. You will find yourself in the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man by loving one another. See, that's the key. It's not joining this church or, or, or getting out of that church or letting go of that wreckage and getting into this lifeboat. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself. The reason Israel went into bondage was because they chose to have a king. And they were warned that if you want to have a ruler who can exercise authority, and everybody who believes in democracy wants to have a ruler who can exercise authority and make things right. They're all committing the sin, the rejection of God. That's what democracy is about. It's about rejecting God, and you are going to pick a leader who's going to make things right. 
And Samuel says, if you go this way, and he's, he's telling you what God is saying. He says, if you go this way, that leader will appoint men over you. He will take and take and take and take. You'll have less and less power. And you're going to eventually cry out. And God will not even hear you. So how do you get to the point where God hears you? You have to go back to the ways of the kingdom. Back to the ancient ways. The ancient ways is not building a temple of stone and wood. It's a building a living temple of people who are actually trying to learn what it means to care about one another, to love one another. And to care about one another doesn't mean just giving everybody what they want. It means also rebuking them for what they should not be doing. As many as I love, I also rebuke. And point out, you know, you got bad habits here and that's why you're having these problems. You're giving yourself over to anger and ambitious and ambition and, and vileness. You need humility. Humility is will, what will help you let go of the wreckage of the false religions. But that's your, that's part of your walk. I'm not going to pry it out of your hands. You know, I may do a little extra rebuking from time to time. <laughs> give you a little bit of a harder time but the fact is you entering the kingdom of God is like that volunteer fire department you have to choose to show up you have to choose to be a part of the solution and the solution is Christ you choose Christ you choose the anointing of Christ and you choose to look at the light and when you do that Seeking that light at the end of the tunnel. You're going to, you yourself are going to come into that light. And you're going to see your own error. But it's still, you know, we're talking a metaphor here, but it has an actual physical path in the real world. Your body needs to walk down a certain path. Like I always say, we have to learn to walk alone together. Because you can be one of the most patient, loving people in the world sitting in a pew or sitting in your house. You need to go out and make contact with other people because in the process of doing that, you're going to come face to face with your impatient. You know, I, I had a bachelor trying to tell me how to raise children. He never had children of his own. He, he, he didn't, had never raised a family and he's going to tell me all about raising children. And I can listen to him, but it doesn't carry much weight with me because he, he hasn't lived it. I've lived it. Do I know everything about raising children? No, but everything I know is the product of raising at least <laughs> six children. And uh, and also observation of other people raising their children. I've been enmeshed in the problem. You you don't learn to swim by reading a book. You learn to swim by getting in the water. And you don't learn to forgive by sitting in the pew. You learn to forgive by going out there and meeting with other people. And, you know, people are always looking for fellowship. 
from other people. And there's a natural need for that human fellowship with others. And, and there's nothing wrong with seeking that fellowship. But what you really need is a fellowship with the with Christ, with the, the with the light. And then, whether you're in a Jehovah Witness Church or Seventh Day Adventist Church or a Catholic Church or a Methodist Church or Presbyterian Church or a Buddhist monastery, you can bring the Holy Spirit in if you will let the Holy Spirit in your own heart. And you don't go in judging everybody because everybody falls short of the kingdom of God. None of of us are saving ourselves. But you gather with other people and it doesn't matter who they are, really. If the Holy Spirit leads you to those people, you gather with those people. And you learn to be forgiving with those people. You learn to be patient with those people. And many of them will have ideas that are probably incorrect. Truth is, you probably have ideas that are incorrect. But you're on a journey to find that truth. The responsibility of gathering with other people and occasionally speaking your mind and saying the truth and bringing the truth and the light into that congregation of people, that's a responsibility. And that exercise in itself will, when you do it out of love for others. Now, there's a lot of people going to go out there and try to dictate doctrine to everybody else. And you need to see it the way I see it. And you need to believe the way I believe. And, and you think you're going to impart truth to somebody else with the words of your mouth. Words of your mouth cannot impart truth. Truth is that anointing. Of the Holy Spirit. The words of your mouth are coming to you by way of the tree of knowledge. Now, that doesn't mean you don't speak. The tree of knowledge is put in the garden to be used as a tool, not as a source. Your mind, your brain, your vocabulary, what you know is a tool. It's not a source. When you make the tool the source... You can't do that unless you unmoor the metaphor from its true meaning. Uh, you, you will find yourself getting lost. You need the light of the Holy Spirit to guide you. You get that light when you go to God and you humbly say, I don't know. You have to show me. So, I, I sent out a little notice of this particular broadcast talking about boosting the kingdom because somebody actually did one of these uh, actually a couple of people have done it i i found out that uh, they have boosted different web pages and you can pay a few bucks and then it goes out like an ad and you can target certain areas. i don't know how it all works but they did it as an experiment to see if they couldn't generate more interest in some of the information that we have laid out for free. You don't have to join a secret, secret group or anything. There's enough there to keep you busy for quite a while in exploring and seeking to know and understand what it means to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But it's words and it's images that we're using to try to describe. Mostly what we're trying to do is get you to let go of the wreckage. 
and and we want to show you a way into the lifeboat of Christ. And of course, that way is that the rejection of God was that we were going to give power to somebody else to decide for us and make things right. The reverse of that is that we're going to take back the responsibility of making things right for somebody. We can't make things right for the entire world or the nation or the state of Oregon or or North England. or We can't make things right for everybody. But we can do right by somebody. By your spouse. By your children. And by your neighbor. You can start to do right. In order to know what is right to do, you have to look at yourself. It's fine to read the Bible, but you're not going to find the truth in the Bible. You're going to find an illusion, an alluding to the the truth. And if you misinterpret that alluding to the truth, you will create a delusion in your own mind. And you will worship that opinion instead of the truth. And that's a big danger. And we all face that. And, and, and Paul and Peter and John and James, they all warn us that we need to be questioning our faith. Is it faith in God or faith in our opinion about God? Because if it's our opinion about God that we have faith in, that's idolatry. Because our opinion is a construction of our minds. God's opinion is a construction of the mind of Christ. And we don't get the whole picture. I don't get the whole picture. Nobody gets the whole picture. Nobody is good but God. God is the only one with the whole picture. We're just to be seeking the picture that God is trying to impart to us. And again, in order to see that, we must see ourselves. And one of the things that helps you see yourself is trying to help others. Help them in all sorts of different ways. Some people think it's helping them by helping them see that you're right. (laughs) No. No. It's not. It's helping them see for themselves. It's helping them um, awaken to that Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the power. You can't save anybody. What you want to do is seek to be an instrument of righteousness in the lives of other people so that you become a source uh, of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You're not not the source yourself. You're You're a conduit of that Holy Spirit. That requires a very humble position to take. In dealing with other people. Now, everybody should spend some time in meditation and in the prayer closet and contemplating. But then you need to go out and put that into action. And that action is loving others. And that's why we congregate. It's so that you will have others to learn to love. You're not looking for the perfect congregation. Like I say, you, everybody's looking for a congregation of saints. If you actually found a congregation that was filled with saints, why would they let you into the congregation? <laughs> because you're not a saint. None of us are saints. We're all sinners. So, you just want to gather in the hope of doing right by others. 
That's seeking the righteousness of God. Not just for yourself. You don't, you actually don't want to pray for righteousness for yourself. You want to pray for mercy for yourself. Because righteously, you don't deserve life. Righteously, you don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve saving. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We don't want to pray for justice for ourselves. We want to pray for mercy. What we do want to pray for is righteousness for others. You know, that that righteousness may enter into their hearts and minds. And they become a conduit of the Holy Spirit. That they awaken so that they might be saved. That's why Christ came. That you might be saved. That's why God gave His only begotten Son. That you might be saved. So why do you gather? You gather that others might be saved. And you have to remember that their salvation is not the adoption of your opinion. Their salvation is the acceptance of God's opinion. And you can't really impart to them all of God's opinion. You can talk about it. You can try to live it and interact with them um, according to the ways of God. And this is how you boost the kingdom is that you gather with other peoples and you try to be as patient as Christ, as loving as Christ, as caring as Christ with them. And you, at the same time, are willing to see that you're not always as patient as you need to be. You may jump to conclusions. You may jump to judgment of others. You may be inaccurate in your perception of reality. And you may be absolutely convinced that you are accurate. But maybe you're not accurate. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you've misseen something, misunderstand something. And we, I can guarantee there are some things you misunderstand. There are some things that I misunderstand. And when you're dealing with other people, that's tricky. Because you can't, you can barely see your own heart. How in the world can you see the bottom of other people's heart? So you need the Holy Spirit in your interaction with others. And you do not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, when we bring up a lot of these subjects and we start showing people that, look, if you covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other, you're not doing what Christ said to do. If you're not taking care of all the social welfare of a network of people who care about one another or are seeking to learn what that means, then you are not pursuing the kingdom. You need to be pursuing such a network because that's what the early church was. And you need to be pursuing it in the character of Christ, which means pursuing it with sacrifice. You need to be giving up your time, your energy, your life for others. You need to be laying down your life for others. If you want God to love you and bless you, I mean, God does love you. But if you want to have an interaction with that love, where that love fills you, you need the humility to admit that you don't see it all. That you're not the source. But you can allow the source to move through you. 
So you gather with others to give you the opportunity and to give them the opportunity because you're gathering with them that they might be saved. And when you're willing to make that sacrifice, then God will hear your voice. God will hear your prayers. And God will begin to change you. And you will be reborn of the Spirit instead of just of the flesh. And you will not be as subject to the flesh as you were before. But there are more things you can do to boost the kingdom. And we'll talk about that when we come back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're talking about how, how the, the network that was the early church, the network that was Israel. People sat down in the tens, hundreds and thousands, and they formed a network. And those networks were, of those smaller groups were linked together by the ministers they chose. And that was the job of the ministers. The ministers, your spiritual guru is Christ, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the ministers are not really supposed to be some sort of spiritual guru that is overseeing the progress of your soul. Uh, that That's something that has been created outside of the original parameters of of God. God wants to communicate with each of you directly. Writing upon your hearts and upon your mind. Not writing on my heart and my mind so that I can tell you what to think or believe. So, back to what we talked about in the first part of the this uh, series of shows. Is this control that people and circumstances and things have over your emotions, over your thinking, over your mind, is is to be turned over to the Holy Spirit. So, I don't tell you you can't go to this church or that church. You can't go to this gathering or that gathering. Whenever you're in a church or any kind of a group that says, oh no, we don't want you to you know, go out and look at these other things. We don't want you to, cause you're, you're new and you need to, you know, focus on this and, and maybe you do need to focus somewhere else. And you shouldn't just be going here and there cause we see the people that flitter around from group to group and, and, you know, one, one week, you know, we're the cat's meow and we got the answers and then suddenly a couple of weeks later, no, they've got this other group that they're a part of. And they they want to rescind everything they have with us. There's nothing to rescind. We're free assemblies. Uh, you you either I mean you either are part of what we're doing or not. You're walking with us. We don't bind you to us. We're not a cult. We're the farthest thing from it. We want you to be bound by the Holy Spirit, and we're showing you how. To go about approaching the throne of God so that he may choose to put the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit lists us where it will. There's no gimmick to it. But there are certain practices that will draw you near to God. And that's actually the words that you find in the Hebrew. The word for sacrifice, korban, is originally from a Hebrew word that means to draw near. That the nature of God is that he sacrificed. I'll give you a little hint here. You have freedom of choice. Now, most of the choices that you make are a product of that choice. 
to receive, to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or to eat of the tree of life. That's your choice. That is, that is the basic fundamental choice that we all still have. If you choose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, anybody who manipulates that knowledge or the knowledge that you get can manipulate you. And if they're very clever at it, they can manipulate you quite a bit. You can be manipulated by emotions, by chemistry. They can, they can give you a drug that will alter your perception. They can slip it into your food. Uh, they can, you know, put it into the air in the form of a gas. And you breathe it in, you know, odorless gas. And you, they can affect your mind. And these are all external things. But the Holy Spirit operates in this, from this other realm. And we're going to talk about this. And hopefully we're going to make some videos about it. To try to, to, but it's a dangerous area to talk about because immediately people will start to create a, a religion. There are two words in, in Latin that are translated religion. One is religiere, which actually comes from a word that means to bind. But religion was, in the Greek, was threskia, and that means what you do. And, of course, pure religion, according to James, is that pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. In other words, it's a daily ministration of the needy in your society. That's pure religion. But the Romans had another word that they translated religion, or we translate religion. They didn't translate it. There's another word that they use that we often translate religion, which is superstitio. And so, you know, and that superstitio really has more to do with, uh, it can be metaphysical in a sense, but it has to do with that opinion about God. You know, it's what you, you know, your opinion, when your opinion supersedes who God really is, and you worship your opinion, which again is idolatry, then your loyalty is to that image, that imagination, that uh, superstitio. And that blocks the real Holy Spirit because it's based on vanity and pride. Because you have pride in the image that you've created. This was so dangerous about being a scholar with a degree is that you've invested so much to get that degree that now, you, you know, anyone who contradicts your opinion, you know, I wrote, you know, the first pamphlet on Romans 13, and it's laid out in there. And there were there were lots of arguments that people could come up with against what, in my opinion, my opinion of what Romans 13 is. And I base it on, on a lot of facts when I try to communicate it to you. I know it in my heart and my mind. But other to communicate that heart in my mind, I, I wrote this 5,000-word pamphlet on it. And so there were lots of holes in the argument because you could come up with, you know, what about Koine Greek and what about this and what about that? And it wasn't heavily addressed in a 5,000-word pamphlet, 12-page pamphlet. And so eventually I wrote a book, and it's free online. You can download it and read it yourself, The Higher Liberty. But the pamphlet was given to a scholar by somebody else I knew. And, and so, to, to ask for a critique, you know, 
how is this wrong? Is this wrong? And uh, and his total argument against the pamphlet was, oh, he's crazy. Now, there's hundreds of footnotes in there where I show the actual definitions and Thayer's and Strong's, the actual definition according to Aristotle, uh, who spoke Greek, uh, of that particular word, power. And, you know, later on I included, you know, what other people were saying at the time that this statement by Paul was made in reference to the words that he used. So they had all this evidence. And then I I drew a picture with all the background and everything in the book. But uh, he just, he had no argument against it. He just threw it all out because, what? Because it disagreed with what he wanted and had already accepted as true. And and he has a perfect right to do that. Which is where I'm really going with this, is that he has a right to choose to see the truth or not. Or to see something as the truth or not. And he has that choice because God gave it to him. God is holding the universe into existence. God is the universe and more. God's creation is an extension of God. So God is in everything, but God is in nothing because God is more than things. He is a spiritual reality that goes beyond the realm that we call physical. But he has withheld that power to control everything. And allowed you choice. He has sacrificed his power over your choice. He will not force you to make that one choice. He gives you that choice. Freely gives you that choice. He has sacrificed his power. And allows you to make a choice. Now once you make that choice. To eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Or eat of the tree of life. Now you probably don't have any more choices. All the other choices you have are a product of your interaction with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Well, part of the world is the people in the world. And so if you want to get back to the Holy Spirit, to the kingdom of God, you have to interact with people. And you have to learn how to do that righteously. You have to do it with the same spirit of God. You have to give them the choice. Allow them the choice. You don't want to manipulate them, coerce them. You know, I wrote the pamphlet. Somebody else gave him the pamphlet. It has footnotes. He, you could come up with some arguments. It was just a pamphlet. There, there were lots of things, and that's how the book got written. As people came up with, we have, but what about this and what about that? Okay, well, let's address that. And so now the pamphlet becomes a book. And But I'm addressing it with words again. And I'm just pointing to a way. But to walk that way, you have to learn to walk alone together with other people. Because in that process, you will learn to give or not. You will learn to forgive or not. You will learn to sacrifice for others or not. 
But when you do learn to give and forgive and to sacrifice, you will be drawn near to the Holy Spirit and more of the Holy Spirit can enlighten your way before you. But when it does that, you're going to see more and more about yourself. And so in following, in seeking, in striving for that path of awakening to the opinion of God, and letting go of the opinion, your own wrecked opinion, because your opinion is not accurate. There's probably some truth, like I say, in everybody's opinion of the truth. You're going to have, almost everybody has some pieces of the puzzle, on some level or another. It's it's written in them. They couldn't exist without some of that light in them. But, there's also confusion and darkness and incorrect and malformed opinions that are in you as well, and in me as well, and all of us as well. So in that interaction, we can come face to face with our own inadequacies and the inadequacies of others. So we get the opportunity of forgiving. We get the opportunity of giving. We we get the opportunity of voluntarily sacrificing our time and energy, which is why we created the network. Now, we created the network based on geography. If you're in Texas, you join the Texas group. If you're in England, you join the, you know, the European group, which, you know, to some, since they're not in, since Brexit... (laughs) They're not really in the European group, or at least in the European Union. Uh, but, uh, still, we put that in Europe. And we actually, the Europe group goes all the way to northern Russia. I guess it goes all the way to Siberia because of the fact that, you know, we're just covering that territory. Now, the idea is that as more and more people join the network, there's only, you know, a dozen or more, uh, emails on that group that are actually in the European arena. But the more and more people that join it and and start using it, they will begin to talk. And and there's somebody in that group, I think, who's in Romania or Bulgaria. There's, there's several people in England. Uh, there's probably some people in Scandinavia. There's somebody in Italy or Spain. And so, but it's all in that group. And and if they join that group and they they see this path, that this ancient path of interacting in a righteous free assembly where you're not just you know like we have a volunteer fire department out there well that volunteer fire department is focusing on fire now there's a lot of people that have actually been making sandwiches and cooking and and putting together food that they take up to the fire line and keep those men who are on the fire line fed and um and bring them oh, lots of bottled water and all these things and look out for their needs. And they're actually going to be setting up, uh, it looks like they're going to be setting up a headquarters across the road from us uh, to house people. Because they're, they're actually, uh, I know, I think it was this morning or late last night, a truck left from Arizona to come up and help fight this fire. <laughs> That's a long ways to go. And there's a lot of fires in between, but it's just resources are coming from farther and farther areas to fight this fire and hopefully keep it under control. It could get 
get really out of control or it could, you know, they could actually gain control of it. There's just a lot of factors. So anyway, there's lots of people involved in this that are sacrificing because that you can see the flames last night on the mountain. You can't, couldn't see a lot because there's a lot of smoke in the area, but it's actually coming over the rim. And, uh, so people are out there on the job facing it. Well, that's fire department purposes. Volunteer fire department. Seeking the kingdom is a voluntary process where individuals come together with other individuals. They may not know any other way and they boost the kingdom. They look for other people. Christ came that you might be saved. You gather that others might be saved. You don't even know who they are yet. You haven't found them. You're you're looking for a group that you can just join. Sometimes that's what people are doing. No, you are the group. And you need to find the other people and create that group. It's a free assembly. You're not creating another church. We're not creating another denomination. There is only one denomination of the of His Holy Church, and that is Christ. So what would that look like? What would you be doing to be like Christ? You would be gathering together for the purposes of helping other people. And in order to do that, it would be good if those people were local. But in order to see the wholeness of the message that we are sharing, you have to, you know, this is going to contradict a lot of what people think to be true now. And so... It's a, it's a, a process of awakening in you. And there are people waking, uh, awakening all over the place. We haven't had much notoriety. We're not, we're not out in the multimedia where millions and millions of people are hearing what we're sharing. We might suddenly be thrust out into that media. If that's God's will, so be it. And with that, Millions upon millions of people, thousands will then result in coming into the network. And then you'll have to contend with problems that come along with that. Right now our problem is there's not very many people in the network. But when there suddenly would be thrust a lot of people in the network, now you will have another problem. Which is that there are a lot of people in the network. So both can be problems. They will bring their own problems. But that's okay because it brings the challenges that you may need to overcome. You, you'll have, hopefully you'll be really good at forgiveness by then. <laughs> really good at patience and love by then. You know, people, you know, how do you get rid of a guy in your congregation that you think shouldn't be there? Well, that's easy. Love him. Love him. Carry his burdens for him. Be kind to him. Uh, be, you know, occasionally forthright and honest with him, but don't be judgmental. Be forgiving. If the Holy Spirit has no place in him, that will be like hot coals upon his head and he will leave. You will become a part of the process of the purification of those seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't have to yell at people. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to fight them. You have to love them. And that will start to make a difference. Not only in them, 
and the people who will gather with you, but also in you. You will become that conduit of the Holy Spirit. But again, it takes forgiveness and it takes giving. The Eucharist of Christ is thankful for the opportunity of giving. Well, that opportunity comes when you gather together with others. So, like we have a European group, like I said, and there's, you know, there's somebody in England and they, they don't appear to be on the group. They contacted me this morning. Uh, they may use another email on the group and I don't know. I don't know who all is on the group. I'm actually looking at the list right now. Uh, but all those people on that group, whether it's the European group or the Australian group, which also includes New Zealand and, and the Asian group and the, includes all of China, millions and millions of people, but we don't have many people on that South American group. Um, covers, you know, everybody in Venezuela and Chile and Argentina. And there's just not many people. If more and more people were to start flowing in to this network, we would, you know, break the European group up into the England group and the Scandinavian group. And all the Norwegians and Swedes and Finlanders would be on the Scandinavian group. And then when that group got too big, we would break it down into the Norwegian, Swede, and Finland group. And uh, all the people... On, now, you could you could live in Norway and also be on the Swedish group. You know, my daughter-in-law is actually in the next room. She's from Sweden, but her mother's from Norway. So, there's a connection there. And she knows people in both places. So, it would be absolutely reasonable that she be on that group. But she now lives here in Oregon, so she would also be on the Oregon group. So she could be on as many groups as she wants. But the group is just so that you can create congregations of record, which are free assemblies, where you can connect with other people so you can actually interact with real living people as geographically close to you as possible. And those congregations of record are connected by a network of ministers of your choosing who are not your spiritual guru, but your connecting point to other groups. This is the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, what really cements those connections is when there's a need. You know, the guys up on the fire. My son-in-law, my neighbor, and other people were up on the fire yesterday and there wasn't much going on they cleared an area they had cleared an escape route they're they're waiting for a place where the fire gets that they can actually they're putting out spot fires but they're not right up on the fire line because if they went up there they would be be caught between the the rim and the fire you could be burnt right to the edge of the rim and have nothing no place to go but jump off so they're actually below that ready to fight the fire as it comes over the rim but there's a lot of downtime. But they got to talk with one another. And the people bringing food uh, come. And these are creating bonds. Invisible bonds. They're not contractual bonds. Not like you do in other governments. But it, these invisible bonds of people actually sacrificing their time, their energy, to be there for their neighbor in a time of need. So what we're doing with the network, the email network is just creating the opportunity of creating real connections on a local level. But 
Some of our congregations, the people are spread out over hundreds of miles. They don't get to come and meet. So they can go to some local church or local Bible study, uh, local home church, and go in there and fellowship with people. But that's a personal fellowship, people to people. The kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit to the Holy Spirit in others. And that's what, that is the union that you're dealing with. And I gave the example, and I've done it before, but last night I was talking about it, where each of you, as you become a conduit of the Holy Spirit, not just your spirit, not just your imagining, but the actual real Holy Spirit. And this is a really powerful influence where it begins to, and you don't see it. It's not an exhilarating emotional change. It's, the Holy Spirit is not emotion. Holy Spirit is much more subtle. You don't even, you don't, other people will notice a change in you more likely than you notice a change in you. You, you can look back and say, you know, suddenly I gave up smoking. Suddenly I, you know, I wasn't cussing as much. Uh, suddenly I, you know, and, and you might notice these changes, but they, those are the symptoms of the change. The actual Holy Spirit, you can't put your finger on. It's just a light that operates through you. you. It's not a light you see with your eyeballs. It's a spiritual light in another realm that you are dwelling in right now that you have very little awareness of. But that awareness of it may grow and that influence of that spiritual realm of Christ will grow in you. And so that you, when you come into a room, you will bring that light. You don't know. It's not shining from you. From your power, but it's there, and you're a conduit for it. You don't possess it; it listeth where it wills. I mean, it, it can facilitate healing and awakening of other people, reassuring other people. You're not doing it. Your willingness to sacrifice your time, your energy, you're bringing something else into play. By the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your own power. And that begins to influence whether you're in some uh, home church or in some sort of denominational church you go to. You can go to a different one every week. You can do whatever you want. But I want you to do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. But you have to turn your faith into action. God will show you what that action is. And... Hopefully, eventually, you'll find other people that are moving from that same spirit or at least seeking to move from that same spirit and start gathering with that group as well. And then you both can go down to a local church or a local home church. Now you're going out too, which is very biblical, that are entering into that. But when you have these people with that are these points of light, of the light of Christ and not their own personal uh, imaginary enlightenment, the more and more of those that you get together, it's like plutonium. You will reach a point of critical mass that will begin to change and awaken things. It will also bring persecution, but you will be ready for it and that when the time comes. But, so let's look at some more practical means of boosting the kingdom in a real physical way when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom in a moment. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And so, anyway, we're talking about boosting the kingdom, uh, boosting 
that uh, process of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, both for yourself and you have to care about other people at the same time because that's an essential factor of the Christ consciousness, of what Christ was saying. You had to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to find the kingdom, you have to act as if you want your neighbor to find the kingdom also. If you want to know the opinion of God, the truth, and not just your own personal opinion or interpretation, because the scriptures are not given to private interpretation. They're given to the interpretation by the Holy Spirit. Now, the the scriptures may have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. I don't believe all translators were inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, is if you want to understand what the Bible is trying to say, the author's who wrote it down or trying to say, then you're going to need the Holy Spirit to interpret it. Because, you know, I watched uh, some of these people uh, talking about, you know, what is the soul? I saw four uh, fairly prominent, famous psychologists, financial expert uh, authors um, talking about what is the soul. And they were really struggling with it. And you could see that these men had thought about it a great deal. And I have an opinion as well. But they understood that, or at least some of them seem to understand, that you have an opinion of what is the truth about the soul. But the truth about the soul is independent of your opinion. And it's just your job to try to figure out, you know, what the truth is. And that's the challenge. What is the truth, as Pontius Pilate says? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the light. Well, what did God say to Moses at the burning bush? Who are you? What's your name? I am. I am that I am. And there are many subtle layers to the interpretation of that. But again you're not going to know the truth because you study words. It's not an intellect. It's not a tree of knowledge thing. Again, the tree of knowledge is a tool. It's not a source. You're not to eat of the tree of knowledge. You're not to make it a source. But you can use it as a tool. You can use your mind as a tool. You can use your emotions as a tool. But your emotions are not a source. They're not telling you the truth. They're just a tool through which you can express yourself. Your hand is a tool. You do things. You pick up other tools. You make tools with your hands. And you implement things in this reality with those physical hands. Well, you also implement things in reality with your emotions. You also implement things into reality with your mind. But what you want to bring into your reality and the reality that surrounds you, the world around you, you want to bring the Holy Spirit. Which means you have to eat of the Holy Spirit. In order to eat of the Holy Spirit, you have to get back to the tree of life. To get back to the tree of life, you have to approach the angel with the fiery sword that is spreading light in every direction. And you must see the whole truth about yourself and about God. And of course, you'll never see the whole truth about God. 
Only God can see the whole truth about God. Only God is good. You're not good. You're full of imperfections. But you can find the blessings of God in your willingness to see the truth about yourself. But God will bring that blessing. You will not conjure it up. This is not a trick. So, we gave three steps. I shared it with the network. Uh, I expounded upon what we already had there before. And one of the first steps we talk about is joining a local email group. And that's the, the what we call the Google Groups. Uh, and they're all based on geography. So, if you're in Australia, or if you have ties in Australia, you have friends in Australia, you have family in Australia, you were from Australia, then go ahead and join the Australia group, if you so desire. But if you want to find a local congregation, then you need to join the group that where you live, on the street where you live. So if you live in Australia or New Zealand, you would join the Australia group. If you live in Europe, in Spain, Portugal, uh, Sweden, Denmark, you should join the European group. There's not a lot of posts that come there. They're not interacting. As a matter of fact, I was looking down the list of those people that are on the European group. And I know there's the, at least four or five people that are on the group that don't live in Europe. One of my son-in-laws, he was born in Germany. He's originally a British subject. He's traveled all over Europe, had businesses in Europe. But he now lives here in Oregon. Well, he's on that group. He only gets a digest. Uh, but he actually has some access to that group. But there are other people who have access. We don't have anybody in Europe who's really taking over the management of that group. We can make them a manager, but they have to start a congregation. And like I say, many of our congregations, the people are spread out. And they only meet, they meet on a regular basis, but they only meet by phone. Because they can't drive the big distances. But they're doing it. To hopefully they're doing it to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, so what's their major goal if they're spread out by hundreds of miles? Which in England isn't much. I mean, drive across the country in a couple hours, uh, depending on traffic, I suppose. I mean, it's not that big a area. I mean, you could put the thing in Oregon. But the reality is, is that we form those groups so that people can get on those groups, interact, meet other people, two or more people, with at least some desire for the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And they begin to start brainstorming to do something. And like uh, one individual, I, I guess several people have done this. I didn't know about it, but I saw an email last night where somebody boosted a particular web page to see what the results are and that, that it has some way of tracking the results. And uh, they just did this on their own. And it was a $20 boost that they put into doing it. And, you know, I don't know what will come of it. And there are probably other ways. And that's what we're going to be exploring right now is some of those other ways. But first you have to gather together. And so the first thing is to join the local email group that is pertinent to you. If you're in Texas, you join the Texas group. If you're in, there's actually several neighboring states that cover the Texas group. When that group fills up so much that there begins to become so many emails, which there aren't on any of the groups, 
Because what happens is that the people who are really active join a congregation. But until those groups become uh, too filled, they will remain the same. Once they become too big, we will divide it off into the Texas group and the Arkansas group. And then hopefully someday we'll have the South Texas group. And maybe we'll have the Houston, Austin, uh, you know, Dallas, uh, Fort Worth groups uh, where each of them have their own group. And everybody that's, you know, in those groups. And then the only one who will be on the Texas group is all the ministers of all those congregations in Texas. And uh, and they communicate. But they don't just communicate to the Internet. They can communicate to the phone. And as you get more and more people, they can communicate by going out and yelling down to the next house on the street. <laughs> so, But that's up to you guys. You have to create that. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do that. So that's the first start is to join that email group to put you in contact so that you can create this living network. The second thing on the list was we said join the kingdom newsletter, which is an old way of we'd send out a newsletter. But it actually takes hours to send out to everybody on that because you have to you have to meter it and. And uh, there's all kinds of things to prevent spam and all that kind of stuff. But if you fill out the Kingdom Newsletter deal, it helps us with a database so that we get to know who you are a little bit. But we guard that information uh, fairly closely. And that will help us facilitate what we really need to do, which is to create that living network. And so we haven't even started doing that. We're to the third step is ask for help. And the re- if you come, we've had a number of people that join the groups and they, they say, well, we're going to take over and we're going to make all this stuff happen. It The system is designed so that nobody can just take over. It's guarding your information. You have to come in service. And everything doesn't happen on email groups. It happens in real life with real people. We're just... That's why the email groups are based on geography, so that we can bring real people together in real ways. And we just talked about some of those ways. You know, with everything from volunteer fire department to Alcoholics Anonymous, if that's your problem, to uh, just taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. But anyways, so you can join that Kingdom newsletter. We don't use it as much. Most of the information goes out through the congregation groups or through the Google groups because we can send out a notice to the Google groups in a matter of seconds because it's kind of a closed system and it doesn't have to go through all those filters. It has its own filtering system. So we can get information out quickly. But the really important information, you know, we didn't send out anything about the fire here on the Google groups or through any of that network because they all communicating in real life through, you know, they get texts and uh, phone calls and physically talking to people and interacting completely off the Internet, just actually face-to-face because it's dealing with a local issue. But there are people in the network on that fire. <laughs> so, And there are people in the network supporting the work that they're doing on that fire. And that's what you want to eventually get this down on the ground where you live. So asking for help is an important part of that spiritual journey, realizing you need help. Eventually, you want to form this congregation's 
of record that start producing a daily ministration, a communion of charity, and not dependent upon the governments of the world, also not dependent upon the Internet. And so that brings us to the fourth step, which is to gather in faith. Contact the closest free assembly for the or, or people that want to freely assemble for the purposes of serving others, not to be served. Gather with them in the character of Christ, serving all other congregations in a fellowship of faith. Now, when you're spread out, you're not going to have that touchy-feely fellowship that a lot of people are looking for. You can go to a local church or a local home church and get that. Or gather with the people on your block. I mean, you actually can start that gathering on your block. I always tell the story of a guy who was kind of shut up in his house and he says, there's nobody around, you know. And I says, look out your window. And I says, who do you see? So he was way off in another state and he's looking out. I'm talking to him on the phone. He's looking out his window. And he says, I see the old lady who lives across the street. I says, does she ever need help? And he says, well, she has a heck of a time getting the garbage out to the curb on garbage day. I says, well, now that's your task. You know what day garbage day is. You you watch until she starts to bring that garbage out and you run across the street and help her get her garbage down to the curb. And then you turn around and you look down the street and see who else you can help. That's kingdom building. That's boosting the kingdom. Guess what? He never did that. <laughs> At least he didn't continue doing that. As a matter of fact, he ended up in jail a couple of times. Uh, the kingdom is about caring about others. And God will put the others in your path to care about. What you have to do is learn how to care about them in accordance with Christ. And that means you have to start. You want to associate with... I understand the desire to associate with other people of light. But the light you need doesn't come from those other people. The rebuke may come occasionally from those other people, but the light you need comes from Christ himself, and it comes within you. It doesn't come from a spiritual guru or minister who talks with a real soft and nice voice who makes you feel all religious and holy and stuff. It comes from within you when you gather together to lay down your life for your fellow man, your time, your energy. And yeah, you can do the Google Boost thing and boost a page. You can get on Facebook and share pages on Facebook. You can get on Twitter and Twitter, uh, or tweet, I guess is what they call it. Things about new recordings that we have coming out, new articles. I mean, there's a plethora of articles and recordings already out there. And we're going to be building those. And we're going to hopefully be building more YouTubes and stuff like that and connecting with other people that are already networking. And start trying to bring more and more people in. But you are not looking just for the numbers. We're looking for people who are seeking that other way. That way of voluntarily caring about one another. The The problem with the world today is you weren't patient. The people were not patient enough to volunteer and, or wait till other people volunteered to help them. They wanted to force their neighbor They were trying to establish the utopia of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, through force. John the Baptist said, no, don't do it that way, through force. Do it through faith and charity and love for one another. 
If you have two coats, share with those that don't have any. If you know something about the kingdom of God, some some spark of truth is coming to your mind, you want to go out and share it. But then I also must give you a caveat, a warning. Don't cast your pearls before a swine. Don't rush out and try to become... When I went to study the, for the priesthood, I was studying to be a missionary. And I will not say that I did not have somewhere in the back of my mind the image of me riding a burrow over the mountains of Venezuela to some small village to bring the message of God to them as some sort of noble missionary. I may have had that back there in my mind. I probably did. But it's it, it wells up from vanity. That is not it. We are foot washers. We will take the lowest position. We will clean out your septic tank <laughs> of your hearts <laughs> and uh, awaken you by giving up what we have already been freely given. We will give up freely what we've already been given. We're not here to convince you. The Holy Spirit will convince you if you will receive the Holy Spirit. We're not here to give you faith. We can't give you faith. Faith is a gift directly from God. All we are is taking the life that God has given us and spending it on you so that you may awaken to the truth. Now, you need to take what we have freely given you and turn around and give it to others. And that's how you boost the kingdom. And you really need to do this in congregations of record. What we call congregations of record. Which is just free. You could just say free assemblies. Because a, a free assembly, to be a kingdom free assembly, you may gather with five families or ten families or just two families. But you need to also simultaneously be gathering with nine other groups of ten families. That's the tens, hundreds, and thousands that Christ commanded his disciples to make the people sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands. He commanded that, that his disciples make that. So that's, we want you to do that. We require to do that to receive extra from us. We can't make you do it. You must choose to walk. It's a voluntary choice. But it's our voluntary choice of how much we will share with you. And there is much to share with you. There's plenty out there right now. But there's more that many of you are not aware of. And are not receiving. Because you are not sitting down. In the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And forming these actual living network independent of email we may still use email but we are not limited to that communication by email or by the internet people like I say are calling and that the more people you get then you can start meeting but to get those more people you have to reach out that's your outreach and how do you do that you do it by walking as an individual together with other individuals in free assemblies in a fellowship of faith and hope and charity and that you invest in that kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then when you have enough of these congregations and they begin to grow, then then you can start sharing amongst each other. 
helping one another and being there for we've forgotten that because we've America is not going socialist it is socialist and it is absolutely and people think socialism is good we have health care and we have all these wonderful things but the reality is is that it is absolutely essential that you're making a choice daily and you know many people who are in part of these socialist states and pay their taxes willingly that's a good thing but they're giving the power of how those funds are distributed to other people to people that they don't know that they have no way of controlling but in the kingdom of god you have direct power over who you give funds to and you can see are they doing a good job then i'm going to support their work are they not doing a good job then i'm not going to support their work and i don't want people you know i mean you can send funds to us certainly i can't regulate that but we want you to sit down in those groups and start sharing in those intimate local groups. If you're in Colorado, join with other people in Colorado. If you're in Michigan, join with other people actually physically present in Michigan. And work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You may still have to go to local churches and congregations until your numbers get up. But don't forsake the seeking of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is a network that is bound together by faith, hope, and charity alone. Where the ministers are there not to keep you isolated in their ministry, but the ministers are there to connect you with all the other ministries of Christ. In one church, with one spirit, Christ did not start 40,000 denominations. He started one church. But you don't incorporate into that church. You freely assemble. and But you freely assemble with the purposes of Christ. The church used to be the social welfare of all the people. It's gotten away from that. And it's time that they repent and start going back in that direction. And you know, you could see how this could suddenly snowball with more and more people getting it. Then you're going to find congregations that already are existing, that people are already contemplating. What did Christ say? What did And I see them out there getting closer and closer to the kingdom. But there's also an element that is getting farther and farther away. And they will hate you and despise you, just like the Pharisees hated and despised Christ. But you know, all the Pharisees didn't hate Christ. There were Pharisees on the Sanhedrin that were defending Christ. They just weren't in a majority. And the majority rules in the world. But the righteousness rule in the kingdom of God. And just as there is the waning of the seasons. So we're going back to originally what I was talking about. Where you get the winter and the summer. There's the, the pendulum swings both ways. And it has swung a long ways to the left. And now it's to swing back to the righteousness of God. And you want to be on that when it comes back this way. <laughs> and the way to get on to that, to become a part of the flow of the Holy Spirit is to follow Christ with a humble heart, realizing that you don't have all the answers. God has all the answers. 
and that he will give you the answers you need for this moment and the next moment and the next moment on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis if you will lay down your life for your fellow man. So that's why you gather. You gather not for what you can get from your congregation, but for what you can give. Because Christ didn't come to get. He came to give. And so that's how you have to gather as well. And so until you do, until we meet upon that shores, may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.